Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Hi, my precious flowers. How are you? I missed you yesterday. I really wanted to podcast, but I was exhausted mentally, emotionally, and physically. And uh, so I just didn't. But today I have in my hands the language of letting go, Melody B. So let's see what it says for July 28th. Fear. It's always a good thing to talk about fear. One day I decided to try something new. I took my 10-year-old son out on the St. Croix River on a wave runner. A wave runner is a small boating vehicle resembling a motorcycle. We donned life jackets and embarked on an experience that turned out to be both exhilarating and frightening. Exhilarating when I let myself enjoy it, frightening when I thought too much about what I was doing and all the terrible things that could happen. Midway through our ride, my worst fear came true. We took a spill. We were floundering in 30 feet of water. The wave runner was bobbing on the waves in front of me like a motorized turtle on its back. Don't panic, my son said calmly. What if we drown? I objected. We can't, he said. We have life jackets on. See? We're floating. The machine is upside down, I said. How are we going to turn it over? Just like the man said, my son answered. The arrow points this way. With an easy gesture, we turned the machine right side up. What if we can't climb back on? I asked. We can, my son replied. That's what wave runners were made for, climbing on in the water. I relaxed, and as we drove off, I wondered why I had become so frightened. I thought maybe it's because I don't trust my ability to solve problems. Maybe it's because once I almost drowned when I wasn't wearing a life jacket. But you didn't drown then either, a small voice inside reassured me. You survived. Don't panic. Problems were made to be solved. Life was made to be lived. Although sometimes we may be in over our heads, yes, we may even go under for a few moments and gulp a few mouthfuls of water, we won't drown. We're wearing, and always have been wearing, a life jacket. That support jacket is called God. Today, I will remember to take care of myself. When I get in over my head, God is there supporting me, even when my fears try to make me forget. So I grew up with parents that loved me and did the best they could. But my experience of my childhood was that if I was in trouble, I had to care for myself. That's why I carried around a purple velvet crown royal bag with Tylenol and Band-Aids and Tums and gauze and um, I don't remember what else was in there. Polysporin, I think, was in there. Because I knew if I had a need or something went wrong, I couldn't rely on them to help me. So I learned really early on not to panic. Because if I panic, I lose my faculties. And that has served me very well, that survival instinct. Because I am the exact person you want when some shit goes down. I am that person when I see a car accident, I put my car in park very calmly. I walk over to the scene and I hold the hand of the person that's freaking out. I have done this. I am the person that when I get lost in a major city as a young girl, I don't panic. I just try and figure out where the police station is. Um, I become very calm and very in the zone. When I was married the first time, 
my stepdaughter at the time that we lived in Miami was, I'll say seven. And we had this huge dock out on this open bay. And I remember saying to her, if you fall in, don't panic. It's, it's shallow enough, just stand up, grab the edge of the dock and scream for me and I'll come running. And I remember saying to her, if you ever get lost, if anything ever happens, don't panic, you'll be fine. Then I gave her like strategies, like if you get lost, find an adult if you and ask where the police station is, rehearse your phone number, know your address, like you're going to be fine. I think that that's something that is a helpful life lesson. And I wasn't taught because older people were looking out for me. I was taught because I had to learn how to survive on my own. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Because it's made me who I am today. I have no resentment over it. Um, I love that God is a life jacket. I actually wrote something. If you didn't know, I write poetry. You can see all of it on my writing account, which is at lovely logo file, L-O-V-E-L-Y-L-O-G-O-P-H-I-L-E. And I wrote something that that reading reminded me of. And I'm going, it's, here it is. Now, I'm Christian, so there is a biblical references in here. If you want to find this particular piece, it was January 13th, 2019. It's called Tidal Wave. God, I know you will deliver me. You are my boat when the waters rise. You will not let this flood overwhelm me. You said, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. This time of reckoning, this mighty storm, is the meeting of the things behind and things ahead. But as these waters rage and these east winds blow, you will not allow my hand to go unheld, for you have called me by name and I am yours. I am precious in your eyes. I am your witness. I am your forgiven. And you are he, rock, redeemer, and fortress. That's been the biggest gift of my recovery. Pardon me. The biggest gift of my recovery, other than the fact that I'm sober, is that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous introduced me to God like a holy matchmaker because I had to open myself up to new ways of thinking. I had to be willing to surrender my will in my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And I didn't understand him when I decided I could do steps two and three, two being I know I need a higher power and it will help me become sane again or sane for the first time. And three, all of a sudden now it's God and I have to surrender my will in my life. So I had to become willing. I had to become open. I had to surrender. And just that little tiny bit In the Bible, they call it the mustard seed. Like if you see a mustard seed, it's like the tiniest seed. Um, Just a little bit of faith goes a long way. So becoming willing, at that time, I didn't understand God. I just understood there was one and it wasn't me. And that's enough. But through that process of opening me up and then getting to know God and trust God through the rest of the steps, like when we're in, in, in five and six, steps five and six, five, we want our defects to remove and sorry, six and seven, six, we want our defects to re- be removed and seven, we let him work with us to remove them. That takes trust and belief. 
And then going through the rest of the steps, like step 11, making sure that we have constant contact through prayer and meditation with God. That's how I got to know God. I be- it's like I have said before, there is belief, which happens in two and three typically, but sometimes faith doesn't happen until the end of the steps. But it's just consistently trying, opening up, having an open mind. Don't close it. We don't know everything. We're super fucking smart as addicts. We really are. And it's our, the biggest thing that gets in our way. When I'm working with someone and they are not getting the program, it's usually because they're way too fucking smart. You have to not be smart. You have to sink from your head into your heart because the head will rationalize and nothing makes sense in the head. But the heart knows. And usually the heart knows because in my body, at least, when my heart knows I'm at peace, one of the things that people have a problem with or some people are having a hard time with in me getting married so quickly is that they don't understand it. A, they don't have to. But it doesn't make sense. But what makes sense in God's world? Like, it's supernatural. Look at all of us who have been relieved from our obsession to drink and use and behave. What makes sense about that? One time we couldn't stop and our life was ruined. Then all of a sudden we do the steps, we open up to God, and now we're relieved from the obsession. That doesn't make any sense. Why does it... Why is it that this person over here gets cancer and dies and the other person doesn't? Why is it that some women can have children and some don't? Why is it that some people win the lottery and some don't? Why is it that our earth has not been smashed to bits in a very long time by a meteorite or that we have planets that circle each other or that we don't know how far and deep and wide the universe goes? What about those little voices in our heads that say, don't turn there and there's an accident? Or I should have been dead because Lisa's story, she was like lying on subway tracks. Why? Why are we here? Why do our hearts beat? How are we born? How do we grow human beings in our bodies and then give birth to them? Like it, none of that makes sense. So to try and figure out recovery or figure out things won't help because an addiction being a spiritual problem doesn't make sense. You apply God to the problem and it goes away. What the hell is that? So the heart knows and usually the body gets in tune with the heart but gets activated by the head. I re- it's the same thing with COVID. I absolutely categorically fucking refuse to sink into fear over COVID. I am powerless over it. I quite honestly don't trust it. Don't trust what we're being told. Don't trust numbers. Don't trust the government. Don't want a COVID test because I don't know why someone would want to grab my DNA. That's just my personal opinion. But I do respect how other people process it. But what is sinking into fear going to do for me? If I'm going to get it, if a family member is going to get it, while we're being so careful, it's going to happen. This is a blip in time. It's a weird blip in time. But like all things in history, it will pass and we'll look back and go, holy shit, remember that? But in the meantime, and my husband will talk about it like vibrational frequencies, we know that healing happens if you want to look at it in terms of vibrational frequencies. So like fear would be a low vibrational frequency and light and love and healing happens at a high vibrational frequency. So people that typically heal and heal well from any kind of surgery, whether it's breast implants or chemotherapy, there's a reason that people who are positive and grateful 
and calm and have faith heal very and at a much more rapid rate than people that don't. And so why would I ever want to exist when because I existed in so many ways in this this realm of fear and dread and anguish and panic? I mean, I did that all of last year. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that last year, every year I pray for a word from God to be my word for the next year, almost like a prophetic word. This year's um, word was power. And I actually said I was going to get married this year. I just thought it was to someone else. And I made a decision. I'm so sick and tired of being caught in fear and anxiety and dread and panic and going to the hospital eight times in two months and having anxiety attacks where I hit the floor. Even talking about that fear and dread and panic and anxiety, I can feel it back in my body. But I made a decision. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm so fucking done with this. I am more powerful than I think. I am hooked up to the most powerful force in the universe, which is God. And I am not meant to live this way as a fearful person. I flew, by the way, probably none of you know this because I've never said this on a podcast, but after 9-11, I became so fearful of flying that I would have to be absolutely totally fucking wasted to fly, which was always a problem when I landed. And then when I got sober, I was like, holy shit, how am I going to fly? And I got a prescription for, I don't know if it's Valium or Xanax. I always like mix the two up. And so I would have to take a pill in order to fly during my sobriety, which I was fine with, because what's more dangerous to my sobriety is me flipping out on a plane rather than feeling taking a pill to feel calm to responsibly fly when I have to. Anyways, it's been a problem for me for, for quite some time. I'm 43 years old. 9-11 was a long time ago. Um, and so when I got on a plane for the first time in five years to fly down to Nashville, to meet my husband, who I didn't even know was, wasn't even my boyfriend at the time. Um, I was like, okay, God, we, we're going to do this. And I remember taking off on the first flight to go to Detroit, which is where my stopover was, and feeling like there were times in the flight where I wanted to get scared. And I literally said to my fear, no, remember, this is the power year. We are no longer going to be afraid of anything. And it helped bring me back. So usually I fly at a fear level of around an eight. And my two flights to Nashville and my two flights back were like maybe a three at its highest. And on the way back, I usually have to sit at a window seat because I need to see the atmosphere at all times to help me. I ended up booking, I didn't know at the time, a seat with no window. Not like an aisle seat, an actual window seat where there was no window. And I was like, okay, God, here we go. This is the ultimate test. When the plane would veer and turn, I would look over my shoulder to a window on the other side just to get my bearings about what was um, equilibrium and what wasn't, but I didn't freak out. And I listened to a lot of beautiful meditation music and I focused on breath and I let myself literally, it felt like I was falling into the music. And listen, we, you are way more fucking powerful than you think you are. Right, Our book tells us rightly used, lining up our will to God, we're unstoppable. We really are unstoppable. And when you get to the point where you're sick and tired of being afraid, you have to fight against the fear. Nothing gets removed because it gets removed. It's because we work for it. Our compulsion to drink and use gets removed because we work for it. If we're just waiting for God to reach down and with a magic wand and touch us on the head and it goes away, you'll be waiting forever. So I hope that this has been an encouraging word for you. Look fear in the face and tell it to fuck right off. 
you are more powerful than your fear. You are half of the equation. But once you sync up with God, God's intention for your life is not fear. In Christian circles, we say fear is a spirit and it is not from God. The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies. So whatever it is for you, look the devil in the face and say, not today, Satan. Or looking at fear and saying, you will not take me down. I promise you, you can do it from someone that's life has been ruled by fear and anxiety and dread and a feeling of not being okay and of always being watched and of something bad always going to happen. I promise you, if you work on your fear, you can get beyond it and your life just opens up. Fear is actually there to tell you to push through, not to back down. Oh, that was a good word. That was a really good word. All right. Well, I'm going to finish drinking my tea. I'm going to go sit on my balcony. I'm going to read. I'm going to do peaceful things because I can tell that today I need peace and rest and connection with God. I hope your day brings you the same and I'll talk to you soon.